Hello everyone and welcome to the Global Skiing Podcast. I'm Tom Yelly and today you're in for a treat. Sam and I are speaking with Olympic mogul skier James Matheson from the Australian team. Now what's amazing about James is not only his insane ability to ski moguls and throw huge tricks off jumps back into moguls, but also his ability to articulate and explain to us what he's feeling and why he's doing certain things in his mogul skiing. So this episode is gonna be awesome because you're gonna get an insight into how these athletes think about their technique at this level. So I really think you're gonna get a, a great couple of pointers, a great couple of concepts of what they're doing to be able to ski at this blistering speed, which most of us would be way too scared to do. Uh, I really enjoyed asking James like about how he got to this point, also about equipment setup as well as things that these mogul skiers do other than ski moguls to prepare themselves and get ready for such a high demanding sport. So without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast with James Matheson. Today we're here with James Matheson and James Matheson is... Uh, an Olympic mogul skier with the Australian ski team. So really awesome to have James on. We've got some great questions uh, for James today. And Tom and I have been waiting for this for uh, about a week. We've been talking about it heaps. Uh, James, so good to have you on, man. It's awesome to be here, guys. Um, pleasure to meet you, Tom and Sam. We've been, you know, we had a good chat the other week. So I'm happy to uh, hook into some skiing stuff with you guys. So how's your prep going? I mean, Olympics coming up and I mean, it's cool for you compared to, you know, I remember Sam when I was competing, like we ski sometimes a lot more than other people around the world. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so how's the prep going, you know, is toppers almost ready. And I mean, how yeah. are you, how's your body and everything? Yeah, it's all happening now. So the Aussie winter season is just beginning. So we're basically just now um, kind of gathering ourselves, prepping ourselves ready for this domestic season, because normally we would have been going, we would have been away in, um, April, May, we would have been in Whistler doing some spring mogul training specifically. Um, very technical stuff. So I'm sure we could always get into that. Um, and then also um, in September, October, we would have been going to Zermatt as well um, to do uh, our kind of like final prep phase. But given we're underneath COVID-19 restrictions, all we have right now is our Aussie domestic season. So basically we're gearing up and trying to make the most of this season um, before we head overseas for the Olympics. So we'll see. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, so like, man. what does that, what does that look like currently? Like as in, so you do, you do dry land training yep. and then you're going to be skiing and then, and I would say skiing, like not on moguls and then mogul skiing. Like, is that a pretty fair split of the three things and what percentage would each of those be? Correct. So right now we're basically on a three on one off schedule. So three day skiing, one day off. And within that, we spend about half the day skiing and then half the day doing dry land. And within the skiing aspect, given that it's very early season um, and we're limited by mother nature right now, we're mainly just doing flats. So groomed runs um, and just getting back to the basics of, you know, standing on your ski and trying to get your ski fundamentals working so that when you do get into the moguls and we have enough snow for that, um, we can then build into that. So right now, um, we've basically just spent the days lapping, uh, the ridge chair, um, over at Parisha. Um, and so, yeah, so we'll do that. And then once we 
have enough snow to get, um, you know, some moguls going, then we'll basically be straight on to that. So you typically every season will spend about one week's worth of the um, start of the season doing these flats, and then we'll build into um, moguls and an air site, and then we'll build into uh, a full course. So it kind of like staggers like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what are some, you know, because I would imagine if most people watched you do what you call flats skiing training, they'd be like, oh, what what's there to fix? You know, the guy's like so fast, short, 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 snappy turns, balance is good. Like at your level, what are you like when you watched videos? So maybe, I don't know, did you ski today? What are you, what are you like, oh man, I still need this better. Like what's, what are you fine tuning? So basically... As you would know, um, everyone is individual. And so what we try and do when we go to skiing flats or skiing groomers when out of the moguls is we try and fix those things that we can out there so that when we go into the moguls, we kind of have a bit of a leg up. So, for example, for me, one of those things is um, my transition from turn to turn um, holding a flexed position and not coming off it and extending and you know, going into the next turn. So I've actually just changed ski boots um, to try and get a little bit more flex. So do I've gone to a softer boot to try and, you know, basically hold that uh, flexion. And right now I'm just trialing it and it's quite interesting. So that's one thing, for example, that I'm working on. Another big thing is body position. So when you're in the moguls, your body position is paramount. That's the number one building block you have. And you, everything comes from that, as I'm sure you know. And so when you're actually on the flats, you can work on that. You can work on how your body is standing over the skis and you can feel how the ski properties are going underneath you. <clears throat> so then when you do go into the bumps, it's there. And in terms of like the nitty gritty of it, like we'll start off by doing um, full, um, you know, hip width, medium radius turns. And we then will also go into um, full on um, mogul style turns where our legs are together and doing more of a short swing or a shorter radius style turn. Um, so we basically, we do everything to be honest. Like it's all, um, we look kind of funny when we're skiing around, basically doing that stuff with our, with our mobile skis on, cause you don't get a lot out of those things, but it's, uh, you can do quite a lot. Hey, so what, why do you think it is so hard to stay flexed in the transition? Even at your <laughs> level, you're still even like, you know, cause I think a lot of people, Mm -hmm. Dude, like what is your feeling of it like you know it's like like when you've been working on it it's like oh darn, like I can feel I came up like why are you coming up not staying flexed again it's definitely individual um and that's probably in terms of my skiing that's one of my Achilles heels um and in some other skiers they might be better at it they've got a more of a natural um uh, flexed position through the moguls so for me it's what it used to be was a, um, I was inhibited through my range. So through my hip range. So my absorption, because my hips were limited would be going from, would be coming from my upper body and leaning forward too much, my hips going backwards. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then after the, you know, once you absorb once like that, when you come up and out of that position, it means that you're basically going to be releasing out of the front of the boot, as opposed to, as I was talking about before, if your body position is correct and in a more stacked position your absorption can come up in more of a telescope manner underneath you right mm -hmm. and so then you're holding that flex the entire time instead of coming off and on the front of the boot i don't know if i answered your mm -hmm. question there but that's kind of how i'm picturing it at the moment yeah like i guess i guess one thing like have you found is there any relationship in terms of like 
like the the edging and timing of pressure that sort of stuff that that plays that really plays into it that if you don't get that right doesn't matter if you're really trying to stay flexed you will unflex yourself do you mean like in the you come across, do you mean on the on the on the groomers now uh, still on the groomers still on the, like yep. if you're still working on the groomers because mm-hmm. that's probably what's going to pop you up right Yes. Yeah, it is. So, 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 so so the action is exactly the action is a retraction. So that's the feeling you need. So quite often a natural feeling for, you know, all the skiers listening and, and, and you guys, I mean, you're both very advanced skiers, but a natural feeling is when you've, when I'm thinking about it and you're putting your pressure through a turn and you're then changing and you're going to go to a new edge, a very natural feeling is to, to feel that pressure come off it, get the new edge and come down again. But what you're, we're trying to do when we're doing our flats or our groomers is we're trying to, as that pressure builds up, have a retraction move. So then you never end up coming off the pressure. And that retraction is you're basically imitating a mogul as best you can. And that's how you're holding that pressure, if that makes sense. Mm. Tom, uh, so interesting how like similar this sounds when we're talking about like our regular skiing, quote unquote, right? Yeah. Um, like James, we, we kind of found this season, um, you know, one of the, the things we noticed that was like a key difference between like, if we say like an advanced gear and an expert skier, right. Uh, was um, that expert skiers pretty much always maintain a flex position. Like they never lose uh, this, this flex, especially in the, in the transition. And it's just funny, like hear you um, speak about it this way. Cause like, I've always kind of thought like when I'm skiing moguls, you know, like in between the moguls, especially when they're deep, I'm trying to press my tips down. And then sometimes I get like insanely extended mm. and um, it feels a bit, bit awkward. Like a, I, I get a bit off compared to yep. when I'm skiing normally. Um, and I mean, when you're skiing, when you take it from flats in moguls, are you still trying to like do anything you can not to sacrifice that flex? Like, like let's say the moguls are, are really deep, right? Mm. Or, or whatever your terminology is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, are you like, will you still maintain that flex and just take a bit of airtime in order to maintain mm-hmm. that flex rather than dipping and becoming fully extended? For sure. So yeah, the key word there is airtime basically, but what you're actually trying to do is bridge. So you're basically, <clears throat> if they're really deep, you definitely do not want to be having your ski, as you said, putting your you know tips all the way down and in so what you want to be doing is you want to be getting to about a 80 percent extension each person's different let's just say 80 percent extension then that will bridge the gap no matter how deep it is you can it, it could be really deep it could be even a little shallower that bridge action and holding that um, flexion is what's going to get you over that and so that is going to help a lot so when you have really deep really big moguls that bridge and that not uh, extending is even more important in in a, mm. in a really deep mogul for sure. Okay, so so when you say uh, a deep mogul, just so mm. we can like let everyone know, uh, all of our listeners, right? Can you compare like what a deep mogul is for you, like uh, <laughs> compared to like what it is on on your your double uh, double black diamond? Like let's say like like a North American double black diamond because they they typically have more moguls and so on. Uh, than in Europe, but I mean, what's, um, yeah, what's deep? I mean, can you have a, can you have a stab at like, <laughs> explaining what deep is for you compared to what deep is for everyone else? It's hard to say because we, at the end of the day, like w- 
our mogul courses are made for us, right? So we out they're, they're made by a cat. They're measured out to um, four and a half to five meters per mogul. And so you're kind of limited in how deep they can get per sense, especially when you're skiing World Cup because you've only got maybe five to seven days worth of skiing on it, right? But then if you then now shift to a double black run in North America, it's, you know, that's got, depending on when the last snow, snowfall was, you're going to have a lot of skiing through that, right? And you're, it's also completely idiosyncratic. So it changes a lot um, because you just have so many different people skiing through it. So that was a long winded answer of saying like, we probably don't get as deep moguls as on, you know, like on a, on a double black run because of how controlled it is. And also the level of skier that we have in our courses is quite high. Mm. And so they would be skiing in a certain way. So it doesn't end up getting that deep and cut out, but I don't know, let's say like one of the biggest moguls of courses we skied was in Deer Valley, Utah. um, And it was after a um, about three feet worth of snow. um, And you were standing on uh, one mogul and the other mogul was over your head um above you wow so pretty deep but that's so actually was it's more like the, it's more like the drop then isn't that really was a than drop the, than, yeah yeah it's a drop yeah. Yeah. yeah that but that was that is extreme you know so you yeah. might even get you know in other cases you th- this is why it's quite fun moguls like you know in, in, in another course you'll get it and it's at you know hip height like it's it's totally different and then as you're we saying before when you're talking exactly your timing changes how much you're going to be absorbing and extending completely different all dependent on the course and the snow conditions oh i I actually correct me if i'm wrong james but just for our listeners like deer valley it's the only uh it's the steepest in the world right or steepest on the the world cup for you guys most consistent i think think on average correct because you guys like the 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 fist rule as far as i know is is 23 degrees max for a for a moguls course on fist world cup no, 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 no. That's way steeper than that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Twenty three is pretty flat. Yeah, it's like a, is so really twenty twenty three is is the steepness of like bump run in Threadbow. If you if you know that, like the lower lower section of the World Cup above the mid station. Um, just not everyone who's listening is going to know that, but like that's that's twenty three. Um, you remember? Do you remember? So do you remember? Sorry to interrupt. You remember the? You remember yeah. the ridge? You know, did you ever do, yeah. you know, the ridge, you know what, yeah. you know what Topper's Dream is? You know the yeah, top? So yeah, what's top, that top bit? <clears throat> that was, I think that was what I was going to I think that's like 40. To. I think that's like... Yeah, I, that's steep. That's like it's 40 degrees. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going just... to say it's not actually... <laughs> what do you reckon it is, 30 then? I can't I, even... I, I, it's definitely I not mean, 23. It's yeah, definitely I'm, not 23. Steeper than 23. I don't know, guys. I think like, I mean, I've skied... Um. Hang on, I'll, I'll just 40, check. And, Give me a second. And it's pretty, it's text pretty topper, James. 40 is... Yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to find this out. There's uh, a guy whose like, name, the run is named after. Yeah, you know, we have multiple toppers here. So we have his, we have his uh, cousin, his uh, nephew in our team right now. So we got multiple toppers. Oh, wow. text. Okay, su- such a such a dynasty in that family. Um, <laughs> it is. I like you know I had this realization when I finished racing that like I was never skiing anything as steep as I thought, um, uh, and and switching like in, into free ride and like people were like, okay, so this what we're skiing now is like forty five degrees, and I was like, what? Like this is insanely steep um, and we're yeah. like skiing off piste. And then I was just shocked that I I had never been skiing anything as steep as I thought when I was racing. Um, so I'd love to find out um, uh, how steep it is. But I mean, the top of the top of toppers is like so intimidating 
And I mean, I mm. can't imagine skiing an entire mogul slope at the same, uh, the I same will say, as the top of the top. I will That's say, wild. what you did, Sam, which was pretty impressive, was you follow camped me to the side um and you filmed me actually going down topper's dream and so that that's not oh yeah that's not an easy feat that's definitely (laughs) not an easy feat doing that so (laughs) that 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 might have been like some of my most personally impressive skiing (laughs) i remember that was wild it was so choppy on the side and and it was fun to to actually dip in and like try what you guys do i had so much more respect for what you guys do after that because it's like it is wild up there standing at the top of toppers that's epic stuff yeah i will uh, say that is one of the most intimidating intimidating causes in the world especially i mean when you're going up in the t- in the on the chair like you can see it you're like yeah it's kind of scary but when you stand in the top section as you did it's it's a totally different thing like you're standing mm-hmm. there and you can really see the length of the course and the change in the pitch, it's very steep up that top section. Um, whereas, you know, and then it kind of bellies out, but yeah, it's, um, it's one of the hardest courses in the world. So we're pretty lucky to have that here. That's unreal. Yeah, has like there the- ever been, has there ever been a good push to get a world cup happening there? Or something we're trying. Like that? It would be yeah, so we're trying. Good. It's, it's just expensive. It's expensive. Um, <clears throat> we don't have like the public recognition for it. Um, I mean, you know what it's like, like you guys used to have really big um, Alpine races here, right? And then it just kind of Mm. withered out, right? Like over time, but we're trying. Um, We've got a pretty strong Australian team right now. So it's a good kind of time to do it. Um, It's also kind of weird because it's off season, right? Like, um, so it's not, it's mm. uh, people, but this, this, this time isn't when people are thinking of trying to do, do like world cup level events. Like, so we used to have the FIS, um, continent yeah super continental cups here so we we would have basically the top 10 in the world all here so it's basically a world cup but it just wasn't called a world cup um Mm -hmm. so yeah we've had we've had some usually a lot of people are out here but obviously this year it's not happening yeah i hope it does happen in the future can i bring it back to the to the to the bridging thing like i think that's Mm -hmm. a really um well one i think it's a really cool description because of how it's saying exactly what you're trying to do but say you go back to the top of toppers again, where there is literally these big drops, like as tall or if not taller than yourself to the next like compression spot. Like how do you like, actually first question, was there a moment, can you remember in your career, maybe it was like, I don't know how many years ago when you finally got that bridging idea, like, right. Mm. And then two, like, so then you're at toppers this season, it's a long drop. How do you make the bridge happen? Like in your in your own words, like this, this is very individual. I'm interested in your own. Yeah. So I'll say so to, to your first point, um, it's a huge step. It's, it's literally a, a good way of thinking about it and, and a, a way I can describe it is it's like the feeling of being in a boat and when the boat aquaplanes. So if you're at a boat and the boat's going, you know, really slow and it's kind of like pushing through the water and it's kind of like, you know, how it sits, sits up like that on an angle and it's kind of just like heavy and dragging, you know, drag exactly. So when, if, when you can get that bridging action, it feels like you're aquaplaning basically in a boat and that level of efficiency that you get from that is incredible because if you're con- especially in these big moguls if you're constantly fighting and just hitting the belly of these things it's really physically taxing on you right it's not mm-hmm. efficient at all and if you can be bridging it and getting that 
action, like natural absorption action underneath you, you can go through so much faster. And, you know, that's 20% of the score at the end of the day. So, yeah, I, I think. And is it less few it's years actually ago, easier it. on your body? So much easier. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it's very hard mentally because first you have to go faster. And yeah. I guess if you're yeah. going at a certain speed, and you're pounding moguls, mm. you're thinking, if I go faster, I'm going to pound harder. But like mm. you said, there's like a boat, like there's a point where it picks up and there's exactly. an efficiency. Yeah, okay. Mm. And is it also like just because of the bridging where you impact the mogul is a very different mm-hmm. kind of Exactly that. Impact? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so you're in terms of the way you're hitting in the mogul is different. So technically, if you're thinking about and picturing a mogul, you're hitting higher on the mogul and you're hitting further yeah. down on the mogul. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of lower and shorter. That's like basically what you're trying to do. Um, but obviously, yeah. you know, you got to slow down, right? You got to yeah. slow down. So then there comes that because once you're like, oh, I can, act, you know, I can, you know, bridge this and get faster. You're like, <laughs> exactly. Then now you're like, oh, yeah. fuck, like I got to slow down. So it, okay. it brings in a whole nother element um what was this your second question well actually i'm so maybe this might help because i was doing a little bit of looking i just go uh, a youtube james Matheson moguls and there was one there was some footage of you at toppers maybe Mm -hmm. eight years ago or something and it and it looks like at that point maybe you hadn't got it like Mm -hmm. boom 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 got spat out you know like that like it looks Mm -hmm. like you're taking some pretty big hits but mm. then you go even to like that A-bomb challenge 2018 where you beat Matt Graham mm. and and you, and it's not happening there. So I'm just like, when did it happen? Like, how did it, did a coach help you? Did it just finally click? Like, was there dry? Like, what was it that got you? Because that's a pretty, that sounds like a very significant, like elite jump, you know, like that's it's a proper a, yeah. elite level. Yeah. It's, it's a big jump in, and and. and it's different for everyone, Tom. Like it's hard to say when it happened for me. It, it just, you know, like so you'll get it it's, and then and then you might not get it. It's just sort of happened over the last five or six years, I'd say, that I've really sort of started to grasp it. Um, but it, it, it's, it comes with one of the biggest things is the, is the body position really, like is understanding like how you have to stand over your ski and then trusting the speed that you're going to be getting at, that it's actually in a more efficient point and in a more controllable point like you have more options up there when you're skiing like that and as opposed to down so i can't pinpoint an exact time um when it when it sort of clicked but it's it's the feeling of it is 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 pretty bloody good when you do get it so it's mm-hmm. it's yeah it it, it 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 does feel good even in like like if you go and say we go back to the sam's double black diamond example like if you go and ski that sort of stuff on on a pair of free mm. ski skis do you still look for the bridging like is that how you'd like to do you hammer the what like you'll how, do, do you, what you'll, yeah 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 what you'll find is it depends because you can go back and you can look at like you know mogul skiing back in the day when they first ever started doing it hot dogging and that was just what we're talking about double black diamonds yeah. you know um uh natural moguls and they, they, they do it like they, they, and what you're doing, like you have to pick your line. Like, I'm not just going to say, oh yeah, every double black with moguls on it, you're going to do it. It, it really depends on the run, but that action is applicable everywhere because you don't want to be going into the trough of these things ever, unless, mm-hmm. 
you're not confident enough, you're not a good enough skier, then you will need to be, you know, carving and following those troughs. And that's where you're actually, that's where your ski line is. But if you are a good enough skier, you're always going to be, you're always going to want to be bridging that. You never want to be down there. That's where trouble mm-hmm. is. <laughs> you don't want to be down there. Pretty interesting, Tom. Hey, like compared to super interesting, uh, the like our ski instructor background training, and, like doing exam, yeah. doing exams, doing training. Like the the narrative is like dolphin, like shove your <laughs> shove your tips down into the trough, and like that's controlling that way for a, for a, um, a long time. It's just interesting to to hear like from your perspective james like what the aim is and like what people are doing at that at that high level um i will say sorry but one thing is it also is um snow dependent right if it's if it's yeah. bulletproof ice you want maximum ski and scope ski to snow contact so if it is bulletproof ice like horrendous ice like what you ski on sam or used to ski on mm. in that case you don't want to be bridging in that case, you want to be you with your f- ski on the snow at all times to be you know, slowing down and exactly like, you know, keeping your skis underneath you. Because if you try and bridge and it's, you know, negative 30 in Quebec, like that's uh, say goodbye. It's all over. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like uh, so fast. Oh, you're gone. You can't stop. You, it's impossible. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. you'll, you'll see it. It's, it's, you'll see if, if you ever see a course and, and you'll, and, and they don't look as good, even though it's the same people, it's usually because it's so icy, they have to be skiing slower and more controlled because you're getting less friction. Exactly. As you said, it's, it's so quick off the bump. Um, uh-huh. So then so, in that case, yeah. Okay. So, so what's, what's the additional uh, speed control into that? So um, let's say like scenario moguls are still pretty big, like bigger than average, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, but it's super icy. Um, what's your tactic? Like, how would you change your skiing um, to get the best result? So in that case, you're going to be wanting to have more of it. So you're going to have a little bit more ski angle. So um, more of a steered turn, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a, a less of a pure um, tip in style of skiing. And it's going to be a bit more of a steer. And within that, you want maximum ski to, sk- ski to snow contact. Um, and to do that, you re- we're talking about the flexion before it's yeah. that is becomes even more important. You are like really trying to like grip and just like suck Hug that the snow. in. Exactly. Yeah. As you're going, you're trying to like vacuum it because you need it to stop you. So in terms of slowdown moves, like your edges can slow you down, but then also how you hit the mogul can also slow you down. So it, let's say in that scenario, you know, when it's quite um, icy, the way you're going to slow down if you're coming into the jumps is through that steering. Then it's also through, you can hit the moguls a little bit firmer. So when you're like mm. in the middle, you, you can go through it a little bit softer with your absorption. But then when you're coming into the jump and you're like, okay, I need to slow down. You can, you can have a little bit more of like a, you're a bit more stiff when you hit it. And Brace, that slows you down as well. Exactly. Not too yeah. much, but it's yeah. kind of like a, a give and take. Yeah. Cause you're literally, the bump is facing back at you. So if you kind mm. of resist it, it's almost like you are, slowing down and then you exactly. allow absorption to so you want it lasts that in the, longer exactly and you want that in the small joints so you want that in the ankle and the knee as much as you can you don't want it if you yeah. can avoid it you really don't want it in the hip you don't want your hip breaking because uh, that's when you lose yeah. and when, position and that's when you lose your flexion and to be clear with that you're saying like when someone uses a lot of the hip you'll see that torso like yeah. come forward yes yeah when the ankle and knee you'll see the that whole lower part come up 
and the, exactly. and the torso state. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying uh, that just because like the, the hip is still obviously working, but there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a difference. Like it's the legs mm. coming up at the hip joint and you see the knees mm. move instead of the torso slamming forward. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. how I think about it. Um, but I'm, yeah, that's a, that's a good distinction as well, especially for listeners. If you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills, listen up. I've been working closely with the Carve team for over four years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode. And here's the lowdown. Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? So yeah. so could you, if we just like dissect that a little more for listeners, um, would you say, James, like you're trying to give your knees room to move up right so you so you want to stay pretty open in your in your hip joint like most of the time so that you have like like all, all this room like because i mean sometimes you guys almost it looks like you're kneeing yourself in the chest sometimes right mm. so is that is that a focus like an active focus to try and stay you know pretty upright in the upper body and allow all that room exactly 100 yeah it is because if you're if you think about yeah. it if your chest is forward and broken at the hip joint you're blocking how much um movement you have range that you have to absorb mm. and so what you a way of doing it which is kind of weird and a good way to imagine it is if you're standing upright you have a little bit of a hip tuck um right in your like lower core and lower abs area and that and you sort of hip tuck your pelvis underneath and mm-hmm. then and that and you kind of set that and that's your upright position for your upper body then you want everything else to be swinging up and it's sort of opening it so it it, it almost you could almost say you're your back in terms of your upper body, but then remember that your lower body and especially your ankles and knees is there's flexion. So upper body, lower body separation is huge in moguls. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys know. Tom, hey, that's James, very interesting. You go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just going to say that's very interesting because you know we uh, teach Tom and I we teach a lot of uh, our clients to you know be like more forward, especially in the upper body, and and like that forwardness comes from the hip and femur joint, right? So that forward. And when you say uh, like that um, tucking the hip under, like I see that as like getting the same effect and still allowing you to keep your body more upright. Mm-hmm. You see that? Do you see that, uh, Tom? I think that's like a really yep. interesting and, a, and, yep. a, and very important distinction because obviously in moguls, you still need to maintain like a lot of access to your joints, your lower leg joints. And, you know, that hip tuck is going to allow you to get that same effect as just, you know, normal skiing, upper body, forward, 
being more tilted at the, at the pelvis uh, hip joint. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it's, it's super interesting. Super interesting that you just say that like outright, like that focus on having uh, the Tuck. pelvis tucked under. Yeah. Not everyone really does interesting. that. <clears throat> Not yeah, everyone okay. does that. That's just, that's everyone tries to have as um, still an upper neutral. body as possible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Neutral. And it's, but so, not everyone's going to think that specific. That's what I think of. And that's what yeah. some of the other Australians think of. But I don't know if anyone else thinks yeah. like that in, in, in the rest of the world. It's, but I, you can guarantee that in some form or another, they're going to try and have a still upper body and a very fluid and moving lower body. But I will also say in, when we're skiing groomers or flats, our chest is more forward and you're broken more at the hip mm. because that's, you have yeah. to be, you can't ski it yeah. properly. Otherwise, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, but because in, exactly. But because in the moguls, you have, you have that, the contour changing, you, you, you can then do that. Yeah. 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 You bet. Don't you really want to ski around normally. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the big difference, yeah. you know, on the, the flats to, to the moguls, like you need your legs away from you that way. And so you, th- that's, that's where that torso lean has to come in. But you really have your legs go barely, especially the better you get. They're just so under you. And mm. um, so, yeah, that flex forward just takes away from being stacked with, with the feet. Hey, I was wondering, did you, in your career, have you worked with Stephen Fearing? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He, I haven't worked with him, um, but I've, I've seen him. Um, I, I know him and I, I know people who've worked with him. Yeah, he's definitely a legend in the sport for sure. Um, have you done yeah, some work yeah. with him? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Like I, um, I approached him and I said, I asked him the kind of question I'm asking you out of interest. You know, if you want to know stuff, you go to the, you know, the the highest he's, level. He's, yeah, he's, he's incredible. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I've seen some videos on YouTube that he has, and and so I approached him because I just knew I really liked the way he explains and thinks about things. Like I think he's a very uh, well articulated coach. Um, so yeah, is that, I mean, do you want to speak to any of your, like maybe your current coach or like a coach that even, even as a junior or something that really you were like, wow, like the way they did things was really like worked. You got really great results or like, yeah. Do you want to speak about coaching? Yeah, it's huge coaching. Um, I've have a very like active relationship with coaches. So what I mean by that is like, I, um, a lot of the stuff I do is, is back and forth with the coaches, whereas some people might go off on their own and kind of, um, think of, think of stuff on their own and then come back and work on it. Whereas I'm like from the beginning, it's back and forth with the coach. Um, so for example, right now I'm with Steve Desovich, um, and he's, um, been with Australia for 20 years now and he's coached multiple gold medalists, both in men and women. Um, so he's definitely, um, a very, very good coach, very good technical coach, um, and so he's helped me um, in the last couple of years, um, basically at this higher level now, really sort of think about how to like uh, compete at this high level. Um, but I'd say it's different, you know, like throughout your career, you need different coaches for different things. Like you need that really technical coach who can explain things to you. But then at the same time, in, in, an, in an elite sport, you need a coach who is empathetic in a way. So like you need someone who's got good, good human skills and who can know um, how you're feeling on a comp day. For example, um, you know, if you're in your head and you're, you're not feeling good, you want someone who's like um, can, can understand that. And they might not even be coaching you technically anymore. They might be just being like trying to like pump you up energy wise or, you know, tell tell you to settle down energy wise. So it's, 
it's different and, and the role of a coach is is big and we're quite lucky here in Australia to be honest we've had a lot of very good um very good coaches and especially right now our, our coaches are incredible um they've it's a it's a very yeah it's very impressive mm. so like for like because i think at this point like the psychology part the psychological part like is that's that's really where you're headed now with coming into like an olympic games and like how are you handling that what what tools or how's yeah how's that being that side of things being dealt with because i'm saying this because like Sam and I uh, like just finished coaching, I guess, some instructors through some exams. So, you know, different thing, but there's still that pressure of mm-hmm. uh, where, where things fall apart. You could be doing fine and then you just blow a fuse in your brain. Like how are you, how are you managing that? Those things happen. You, you know, people, you doesn't matter what level you are, you're going to blow, you're going to blow a gasket and you're going to, you're going to screw up <laughs> every now and then it's, it's accepting those, but um, I work with a sports psychologist, um, and she's been very helpful, um, this past year with me and throughout the year you work on different things. So, um, more specifically this year leading into the Olympic season, um, right now it's basically about trying to maximize everything that, um, we're doing, but a big thing is in this time of the cycle. So considering we're so close to the Olympic games, it's more of a consolidation of skills and it's more of a simplifying of um your environment to basically be like okay we need to take everything that we have and now we need to basically package it together into the most high level but consistent run package you can that is repeatable and will get you up where you need to be in the events so as opposed to what i mean is you know in a year one if you've just done the olympics and now you're starting a new olympic cycle you might be trying to experiment you might be trying new things and to change a lot Whereas now it's more of a consolidation, more of a, you know, little one percenters here and there, um, I would say is, is the difference. Yep. James, that's a, a interesting thing that just came up to me then is when you talk about like, a, like Olympic cycle and how you may give yourself more leniency on year one. Um, and is that a thing? Is that like a, a pretty consistent cultural thing in, uh, moguls is like the olympics like the the top top uh thing for you guys because and i asked that because in alpine skiing you'll get different answers from different people right like the alpine world cup is very um well it's huge i mean like a lot of guys may say like a, a hunnicom or kitzbühel win is like to them the the epitome or like the the highest level in the sport um so yeah i want to i want to like get into that a bit more like you know is is the olympics like the absolute number one that's like and everybody it's like consistent that everybody's going for that and if so like if your year one is like lenient i mean how do you deal with um say you know not performing in year one because obviously you want to you know you want to do the best you can on world cup as well like how do you maintain that long-term mindset that's uh yeah really interesting for us definitely the olympics is number one without a doubt like our entire system is built towards um doing as best that we can at the olympic games um and also just culturally it's 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 the biggest event there is like we obviously we have world cups and we have world champs but the olympics is number one um i'd be interested to see any of those um alpine guys you were talking about um like you know if they've if one of them has won at an olympics and say kitzball like what they think was better or if 
you had one guy who only had Olympics and one guy who only had Kitzbühel. Like, I mean, the Olympics only comes around every four years. Like, is Kitzbühel every year? Like, surely every four years, and you know, Olympics is a world-renowned thing. Not everyone knows what Kitzbühel is. I would have thought that the the Olympics would be the number one there. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a good point. I suppose like we'll we'll keep it more to moguls. But just as a side note, I mean, Kitzbühel is. Um, I mean, it's more like a Super Bowl status in ski racing. And, and um, if we look at like, you know, the popularity of, of ski racing, um, just in the Alps, it's like, it's more like, you know, football or something. And just in terms of how popular it is. Um, and it's, pre- it's pretty common at Kitzfield to have like a, a, a live crowd of up to 100,000 people just to that race. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't know if that happens at, <laughs> in at the, if that happened at like the Korea Olympics and so on. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, the Olympic tracks like Sochi, insane track, absolutely savage, but sometimes, uh, you know, you, you'll hear Alpine guys, like nutty Alpine guys just say, no, no like, like the Korean track just wasn't hard enough, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so I, like, that's I what I think. That's what I think yeah. it is. It maybe in Alpine is like within probably the athletes, it might be held something like the, the Hanukkah, you know, bigger because everyone in that field knows how crazy it is. But to mm. the rest of the world, you say I have an Olympic gold medal. That's mm. going to sound more impressive than I won this race that is the mm. gnarliest one. Like, yeah. So yeah. anyway, we're off, we're tra- off track of moguls here. Yeah. As, <laughs> as, as a wrap up there, I, I think like just think about it, like the European guys, I'm, I'm talking like Alps nations, France, Italy, uh, Switzerland, Austria, it's pretty common for them to really jack up like, you know, Vang and Kitzbühel in the big races. I mean, as an Australian, I always was thinking like, yeah, like world champs Olympics, that's, that's the epic stuff. And then Kitzbühel is like, you know, that's epic within the sport. Right. Um, mm. But yeah, like let's, let's bring it back to moguls. I have a, a follow-up question to the mental game. Um, and I just want to chat about the physical game and off snow, because I mean, I saw, uh, last October, you know, you hit a, a PB on your power lift and I assume like your power to rate ratio, power to weight ratio, having done over a hundred kilos on your power lift is, you know, insanely good. Um, but I want to hear if you uh, in moguls have any very specific mogul dryland training. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine if you do, like you guys must do some, some pretty crazy stuff. So like, you know, powerlifting or power, yeah, powerlifting, you know, we do that a lot in alpine skiing. And I was, I thought that was cool that like we have similarities there. But is there anything like very specific that you guys are doing towards moguls? Yeah, there's one thing very, very specific that we do do. Um, I mean, I will say also, we don't lift nearly as much as you guys do. Uh, so, yeah, you guys are definitely uh, more animals than us in the gym. But um, one specific thing that we do that I would actually love to get some alpine skiers on, it'd be fun. Um, what it is, is, it's called Brassards and it's named after Jean-Luc Brassard. He's one of the sort of icons of mogul skiing. And you would have maybe seen mm-hmm. Tom, you're nodding there, some YouTube videos of yeah. him skiing. He's just amazing. And so what he sort of started and what we now do, it's basically if you, you're on a trampoline um, and you just, you get into your mogul stance and you do the mogul action. So you just like bop, 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 bring your legs up as fast as you can absorb. And that, is a specific mogul thing that you do and it 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 burns it's it's equivalent to doing a 30 second as hard as you can on a you know indoor bike 
Um, yeah. The same kind of thing. Like, it, you know, it's, you get full acid in the legs. It is a very, very hard exercise. So that's one very specific. And it's, it's, and it's kind of the action that you're doing, you know, it's, 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 you're hold, trying to hold your um, upper body still, and you're trying to have your lower um, uh, uh, joints moving up and down as fast as you can. So that, yeah, that's one that we do. For how long? Um, uh, so we do, it depends. So if you're just going for speed, we'll do anywhere between five and 10. Um, but if you're doing it for more of like it to get like acid in your legs, you're doing 30 seconds. Wow. Um, and that's, I'm yeah, 30 seconds. On do it. Send me do a video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, what about, oh, have you ever done like the, the Johnny Mosley dry land down a dirt hill style? <laughs> that stuff is sick. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, done we, that? we just done that. We've done that for fun. But we've never actually done like a legit thing. I feel like it's too risky. You can hurt yourself doing that or something, but yeah, we <laughs> yeah. haven't done that. <laughs> and then, and, so do you have a, do you have a, do you have a favorite, like, is there someone on the World Cup in moguls or even maybe it's all time, speaking of Prasad, that you look at and you go, I just love how they ski moguls. Mm. Oh, for sure. I mean, so right now it's, it's, so right now it's interesting. You've got the goat of mogul skiing is in, in Mikhail Kingsbury. He's like the Michael Jordan basically of, of mogul skiing. He is incredibly good. So in terms of a performance level, he is the number one, but I would say in terms of just like, you know, beautiful to watch. And I respect their uh, skill um, and style is a guy from Japan called Akuma Harishima. His yeah, style that's my favorite. is unbelievable. Yeah. I like, I really like that you like him. His, his skiing is, is just beautiful. It's sort of back to the old, older styles of mogul skiing, the people that you would have seen, like, you know, the Jean-Luc Brassades and the stuff that kind of fairing was teaching people. Um, it's yeah, it's very, very good. He's actually coached by a Finn under his name's Yane uh, Lassala or Yane Lathala. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. So Yanni, he's coached by Yanni him. Latella? La- yeah, yeah, Latella. Yeah, La- yeah, yeah. La- La- Ex-gold yeah. medalist, right? Exactly. His coach yeah, is him. He, oh, yes. no way. Yeah. Wow. So are you talking about YouTube videos before? I don't know if you've seen the one that Yane has on um, mogul skiing. Have you seen that yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that is, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's if, if anyone wants to know mogul skiing and, and what it's about and, and like, you know, really understand it, put that link out there for them to watch. Cause that is still yeah. to this day. It's, it's unbelievable. And he's one of the best of the best. It doesn't get any better than him skiing. So if you want to watch someone turn a mogul ski, Yana's your guy. Yeah. Cool. And so you see That's... that shining through in, in uh, oh, yeah. Akuma. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, but he has sense. a bit of, he has a bit of, he has a bit of Japanese spirit in him, which, which I love. Like he has that, you know, health leather just sends it. Kamikaze. Um, yeah. Oh Yeah. He does. And, yeah. and he's kind of reining it in as he's, as he's getting better, but he still has it in him, which is awesome. And that's so the best. Like, guys, uh, like uh, I was just thinking like the, the legend Japanese slalom skiers from last decade. It's the same. Like they're so like so loose and, <laughs> and savage. Um, oh, actually James, speaking of that, uh, also Swedish slalom skiers like from last decade were just so incredible incredible and loose to watch they were kind of like you know everyone <clears throat> sorry everyone tweeted these guys as like the next Bodie Millers in terms of like how loose they were and how fast they were uh, the, the sweet are the Swedes on the mogul tour are they also pretty loose like 
Um, <laughs> they are, they are, they are. They're, I mean, they're our be- kind of our best friends. So um, we, we, yeah. we, we love that. We oh, love yeah. the Swedes. They're, they're awesome. So they're, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them in the same category as maybe some of the other people in terms of looseness, but they, they send it and for sure they've got a strong, pedigree and they've got the good um men's team especially right now um they'll be you know mm. they'll be buying well at the olympics but um yeah they're they're just an awesome team awesome group of people that's so good mm-hmm. i have i have a one more question uh, on mental game because i know you know we, we spoke about how you've been working with, with the sports psych um and i'm wondering about your uh visualization game um uh technically and also like visualizing you know uh say like what you want to achieve but like technically because a uh, question being um the background is like you know tom and i we run one of our programs is this body prep program it's 10 weeks and like it's it's basically doing movements off snow to prepare people for on snow um and when i was a kid i remember my dad just doing like random ski movements indoors right and, and it's funny, like he never told anyone else or taught anyone else like what he was doing, but he was always visualizing his skiing indoors um, and just like down to the minute details. And now what's great is like Tom and I, you know, we're doing almost like something similar, but I never thought about it back then as like, I was always like, yeah, dad's just being weird, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but how about you? Like, I mean, if you're, if you're visualizing um, how, like, how do you do it? Cause I know in Alpine, you get all different types of people. Some people are so uh, physical with their visualization. Um, you know, how do you do it? I mean, if you even uh, are doing that much of it. No, I mean, it's definitely uh, individual, as you say. Um, I've gone through different, uh, I've oscillated through different variations of it. But at the moment, I kind of do a combination of two things. So firstly, I just do straight up meditation. And that helps me with my uh, breath control and then controlling my heartbeat. So then when I do get to, you know, situations where I feel like uh, I'm, you know, I'm too nervous or distracted, I can, you know, just come back to that practice. So that's, that's, I think is the best building block because then that actually teaches you how to be able to, you know, pay attention um, and understand like your mind. So then secondly um, is the visualization of skiing. And so within that um, I, in terms of our competitions, I will, um, after the training days, I will have, you know, pretty much memorized the run, maybe not turn by turn, but I will have memorized the, um, main sections of it, um, the hardest parts and also the jumps. And then I'll just run through that in my mind. Um, typically I won't do any, um, physical or arm movements or anything. It's all just mental. Um, and I just sort of will run through it, um, a couple of times. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's what I do at the moment. Cool. Awesome, man. Yeah, nice. That's great. Side, side note, I did look up how steep they can go. Um, any guesses? 35. 35 degrees is what toppers is. We, okay. we, uh, the we top section. Both, <clears throat> yeah. We, we were yeah. both wrong, though. Uh, well, maybe. Okay. So I looked up the fist rule um, and it's 28 degrees with a leniency of four, which I thought mm. was pretty, pretty interesting. Is that average I mean, for the whole run? Average, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I mean what have, are you gonna? You could have steeper and then yeah. flatter, and it's still yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what yeah. are you gonna do? Like, you get the protractor out, and know, like toppers, it's just steep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. No, it is. I um. Yeah. So toppers, to, toppers goes between. I've, I've I've got a message. It goes between thirty-two and thirty-five degrees, um, on toppers dream, and at the that top section, unreal. and then and then in and then on average, it's gonna be you know anywhere between a flat years twenty-six, a steeper years twenty-eight. Um, yeah. But you know how often do how often how often do people actually stick to the fist rules at the end of the day? Like yeah. our jumps are meant to be sixty centimeters, and they're definitely not that. So, <laughs> oh yeah, hey, I mean, um, you know conditions and and stuff. Like it's impossible to make rules about it, really. Um, yeah. So go ahead, Tom. Hey, we're, I just re- we're we're gonna have to wrap it up soon um, with the incoming group because Sam, I just realized they're also on this same uh, Zoom room yeah (laughs) just join in (laughs) yeah yeah. but can i ask you started the at the beginning you talked about new boots yep and like equipment setup like if i put you in a pair of race boots or even some other like boots do you think like flat out you would you'd be struggling to do what you normally do how important are your boots very it depends on the again so we were talking about flexion a lot right it depends so if, if you if you put me in a boot that was really stiff and it was and if it and if it and it didn't have a lot of flexion already built into it yeah i, I would i would struggle because that ankle flexion is very important um but if you put me in a really stiff race boot but it already had a bit of you know cant to it or yeah. you know flexion built a forward in, lean maybe yeah. exactly maybe it would be okay mm but it would be uncomfortable yeah. and I wouldn't like it. So <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's, it's, but I, you know, it, it's, it's individuals. Cause you know, some people are on, you know, Akuma, for example, he's in a race boot. Um, he's in a okay, race wow. boot, um, but it's, What's he's he in? interesting. He's, I can't even remember what he's in. It's, it's maybe a, I can't remember what he's in. He's done some okay. good stuff to it. It's basically very jacked forward and okay. he cannot yeah. straighten his legs. I was talking to him in the lift line once and I was like, oh, you know, can you actually stand? Because he's so jacked in his boots. I was like, can you actually stand up? He, he can't straighten his legs in his boot because so, it's that. So like yeah. that 80% you talked about, you never exactly. expect to be on 80 It's just limited. He, like he it's, probably wow. he struggles to get yeah. to the, just to that 80. And so he'll feel exactly. that and go and, and never go. But yeah. And if you picture it from the side, if you picture it from the side and it's almost just like a, you know, a conveyor belt, it's, ba- it's literally just like the, the, like if the conveyor belt's coming this way, it's just like, it's yeah. just rolling underneath like his, his, sorry, yeah. his hips are rolling. Oh, it's the wrong way around, but yeah. his hips are rolling underneath that way. And it's just, yeah. zoosh, zoosh, and his upper body stays still. Yeah. Like, the Japanese, especially this, they, um, they, they've got very good, um, uh, proportions for it so like their absorption is very very good and their uh, mobility is amazing um so yeah, they can they, you know yeah. ski they can be skiing bolt upright in their chest and then you know in full absorption on the flat yeah never mind in the yeah. motors like it's it's crazy so yeah it's yeah it's, equipment's important for sure but not as important it's as amazing. what you guys you know do sam and um james just just speaking of equipment like um just uh some specifics i remember you were in a davello krypton for a while um and and you said you had a recent change to get in something softer so what are you in now so now i'm now i'm now in a full tilt so i've gone back to the old days of mogul skiing um i'm in a full tilt Dope. classic pro um Sweet. so they're uh yes yeah, so i'm trying them out They're they're very soft and i'm a little wigged out at the moment but i think i gotta give them give them a good week see how they go yeah, yeah. like because you haven't skied the moguls with them yet have you 
We did actually today. We did actually today. Yeah, we did actually today. And it was, um, no, I don't think so. Des might have, I mean, the coach might have done it, but. Yeah. It's interesting. It will be interesting. Like, is that what you're saying? What you feel, yeah, what you feel and what you see, like, like mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. So you'll have to let us know, like, whether you're like, oh, that feeling of softness actually is kind of what, yeah, whether it's like what you need or it'll be, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll just be interesting, isn't it? Because often that's like the way you think about it is actually the problem, not the feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah so. it is. It is. But it's. It's. It can be too much. You know. It can be too soft. You can. If you're. If you're yeah. coming into a mogul yeah. and you hit the mogul and you press through it, the next mogul you're going to come off it because you don't. You don't like that feeling. Yeah. So then you're going to be back. So it's. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. You need to find the Prime right. Need to find the right one. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Hey, well, this will be. Thank fun. you heaps. Yeah. I was just going to say, Tom. This is going to yeah. be so fun because you know, like right now, Tom is about to take on a one of our academy program classes and like you're going to be able to go straight into a debrief on this stuff like with <laughs> like like a like a kind of private debrief with like some of our clients like that's super awesome um i suppose we can finish with like a a tiny shameless plug for a couple of listeners tom um if uh you know if, if you guys love what you're listening to and and also you know you like the way you know tom and i think about skiing and um you know feel free to apply for our academy program and you know you can get a a free private lesson where you can just have a chat with us and we can look directly at your skiing and um, see if if it's uh, right for you and so that's you can find that at bigpictureskiing.com thanks for living through that shameless plug james Uh, and and i'm gonna add one thing there i actually spoke to one guy one guy who's just starting this week and he had his private lesson with you, Sam, and he skied and he said already what Sam told me about my skiing, because you, you bring your video to the to the session. He said it was worth the worth the price of admission. So I haven't told you that yet that yet, Sam. So yeah, it's oh, just I think it's, awesome. it's really cool. It's cool. And and jumping awesome. on what James is saying, I think having a coach, if that's the kind of person you know mm. you are, like yeah just this back and forth back and forth it's that's what gets you progress i think you know huge uh, yeah. yeah people if anyone's yeah. listening out there want to get a coach 100 percent, you need yeah. you need one like there's no point in banging your head against the wall like it's <laughs> yeah yes, it, 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 you'll never regret it yeah. um james actually just just to finally wrap that up um so you and i come from an interesting space in in ski athletics because um you know tom and i we do a lot of video analysis with our clients right and i'm sure you do as well and i did that's like all we did when i was ski racing and it's so funny that tom until this past year with corona like when i was teaching clients rarely ever did it right and i just realized now like how effective it is like it's just like you have to confront your own skiing right you you feel one way on the slopes and then you look at yourself and it's completely different like it's just it's so helpful like what you can get done uh, to just kind of confronting, yeah. you know, exactly Video what key. you do. Yeah, it's so key. Um, I think we we got to jump off, but James, God, I could go forever, mate. It's uh, been a yeah, pleasure chatting to you, man. Much yeah. appreciated for this. Yeah. And I hope um, we can go skiing one day. Yeah, yeah. We should be all the best. Hey, you're not Tom. You're not down here, are you? I I'm stuck in Sydney, but I sh- I was supposed to be there this week, but. Anyway, we'll we won't go there. Yeah, but I'm still hoping we'll to get, to get you down. guys. 
yeah, we'll have to get you guys to meet in person. And and anyone who's listening, if you if you like what James has said, um, and you know, I mean, obviously you can tell he's a great bloke, but if you want to help James, you know, uh, this is the Olympic year. It's a massive year for James. If you are really interested in what he's done and you want to help him anyway, you know, we're going to leave. Uh, I suppose like James, you probably have something we can leave in, in the bio so people can reach out to you if they're interested in helping you out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it, I can, you know, Instagram and then it may be my email as well. Um, I appreciate Fan- that. Fantastic, man. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, James. You're a legend, man. And yeah. uh, we'll be chatting soon, man. Go Aussie, go. Go, <laughs> go, Aussie, go. Thanks a lot, lads. Exactly. I appreciate it. How good skiing. Cheers, James. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. See, See you, mate. mate. Ciao. So thanks so much, James, for a great interview. I got so much out of this. I just can't wait to get out and try some bridging and just really hone my athletic stance. I mean, you hear him talk about how that's where he starts and what he's still working on, changing his boot setup around to try and get even uh, a better athletic stance to be able to bridge moguls and do all these things that he's talking about. So. It's really inspired me. It's also given me some new thoughts on how I want to approach my mobile skiing in the future. And I think we're so lucky to be able to get insights into an athlete of this level. So I hope you guys did as well. Now, if you haven't been to my website, please, I invite you to go check out bigpictureskiing.com. I put all my ideas, lessons, webinars, dry land training, and it's growing every month with more and more content. And it's all designed around the person that is in love with skiing, obsessed with skiing, and wants to get better. And I truly believe that skiing is an all year round thing. Even when you're not doing it, you can be improving it through enhancing your understanding of all the different elements that make up uh, a good skier. So if you haven't checked it out, go there. You can check out a three-day free trial to see it's up, uh, up your alley if it's good. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you there. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Global Skiing Podcast. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.